You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guest, Randy Swart, COO of A. Dewey Pyle. Whether it's old regulations or new technologies, the trucking industry faces a number of challenges as it moves into the next century and beyond. We sit down to chat with Randy Swart, Chief Operating Officer of A. Dewey Pyle, which is one of many carriers that continues to look into different ways to address those challenges and help drivers keep on trucking. On the phone with me today is Randy Swart, COO of A. Dewey Pyle. Randy, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Jeff. How are you today? Good. Thank you for taking the time to sit with us. Happy to do it. Before we begin, could you give me a little background on you and your role with A. Dewey Pyle? Okay. Um, again, I'm Randy Swart. Um, I've been in the LPL uh, industry for about 30 years, primarily uh, managing and running uh, facilities and, and companies. A. Dewey Pyle is a asset-based uh, LTL provider uh, in the Northeast, um, handling the states from Ohio East and Virginia North all the way through Maine. Uh, we're an overnight service provider, uh, primarily. We also do have assets, about 3 million square feet of warehousing space, and do do dedicated work for private fleet replacement. All right, and speaking about that fleet, uh, there is no fleet, there is no trucking industry without drivers, correct? That's correct. Drivers are facing a bunch of issues that uh, may or may not have lasting effects on the entire industry. Um, a couple of things that have been going on, driver shortages potentially, driver parking I know is a big issue. Um, what do you think is the primary concern facing the trucking industry today, specifically as it relates to truck drivers? Well, for trucking companies, it would be the recruiting and retention of the drivers. Um, they Drivers are getting older, and the rigors of the job uh, become more difficult for for the older they get, depending on 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 uh, what type of driving they do, it doesn't seem to be a, a very glamorous uh, career for a lot of uh, younger employees to get into, younger drivers to get into, and the handicaps of having an age that they can't even start in the industry till they're 21. By then, many of them have had to go out and. Uh, start a family or have gone out and started a family and they have to have an income so they've started other careers before they could even attempt to get into a, um, a professional driving job. So how are companies addressing some of those concerns? Well I can speak specifically about Pile. Um, we have several different ways to try to, to work to get employees um, trained and hired and trained. Um, we have we work docks, cross docks across the Northeast here, and we hire full-time dock workers. A lot of those dock workers are not old enough to be uh, professional drivers yet, but as they do become 21 years of age and they have proven to have a good track record, they show up, they're good quality individuals, and they have the values of the organization, we have a, dr- a driver training school that we put them through so that they can drive professionally for us as one step in their career. We also um, have what we call finishing schools. So people that have come out of other driver training, um, whether it's uh, sponsored by the government or local colleges or pay for pay for a CDL, 
we have a program that we can bring them in. Uh, we spend time in the finishing school training them how to be a, a good professional driver and work for pile. So those are the primary ways that we uh, bring our drivers in. Our newest way, actually, is having a little smaller truck where we can hire some non-CDL drivers and put them on the road, let them experience driving, uh, but not have the, the rigors of having a CDL. And if they do well in that, then we offer them the opportunity to move up inside the vehicle, and then they go through our TDA, Truck Driving Academy. It's, we call it our TDA. Our Truck Driving Academy is an internal program. That program takes a, a, somebody 10 weeks to go through. We pay them to go through it. Um, at the end of that, they, we put them, we offer them a job, and they, uh, they, they work through as an apprentice driver basically for a year at the location, at, the, at their home location. The finishing school is where employees come from. They've already gained their CDL. They just don't have any experience, and they don't want to drive over the road for some reason, so they come to an LTL company. Our drivers are home every day. So they come to us and the finishing school, they ride with the driver from two to three weeks just to get the polish and really learn the, the, how, to, how to be a professional on the road, how to mix with our customers, how to mix with our other employees, and how to drive with the general motoring public. Sounds like a great program. Who are your instructors or mentors for that program? Um, they're, in, they're all internal. Um, we have drivers who through the years have proven to be very good drivers. Um, and have let us know that they would like to do the training. We then put them through courses that help them be good mentors and trainers. Uh, we put them through Smith driving courses to ensure that they, they understand the, the safety aspects. Um, and then with, we move them into driver training roles where they, they work with these drivers where they're, when they're in the school. We, the, the, the manager of our driver training school came through as a driver, went to a mentoring program, and then became the manager of the school. So they've all worked through the company into these roles, and that's the career path they've chosen. And what is the success slash graduation rate, I guess, of the program so far? Um, the graduation rate is very high. It's about 95%. Uh, before we actually put them in there, we work them on our docks. We make sure that they're really cut out and they understand what, what they're getting into. Uh, truck driving is not for everybody, and we, we hope before we put them in a, a paid 10-week program, uh, we work them on the dock uh, for about three months so that we're sure that we're investing our money well. Once the employees come out of the driver training school, um, the, the retention rate is very high also. As a matter of fact, I believe, I'm looking, I wrote it down here somewhere, about 20% of the current pile LTL drivers came through the TDA, um, and we have about 1,000 drivers, so it tells you about 200 have graduated. Our turnover rate with the first year um, the TDA graduates is less than 5%. And our overall turnover rate with all, um, all uh, drivers, CDL drivers, is less than 10%. And 4% of that 10% actually comes from drivers retiring. So uh, being home every day with their families, driving the same routes every day, is very popular. And it, it's not like over-the-road uh, turnover rates. Yeah, it sounds like a great uh, incentive. And uh, going back to something that you said earlier, you were mentioning that it isn't necessarily a vocation for younger drivers. Is there a, 
a cultural bias against driving that limits the number of prospective drivers? Is uh, is it the the lack of glamour, perceived glamour of the job? What do you think that might be uh, stemming from? Well, um, I don't think it has anything to do with the generations. Um, the baby boomers uh, really are what make up a bulk of the drivers right now. The millennials and Generation Z are the ones coming up. The difficulty is when the baby boomers got into it, while they had to have a commercial driver's license, it was relatively easy to get. They didn't have to go through long, drawn-out courses and, and go through uh, TSA checks and fingerprints and get ha- hazardous material and everything. So it was a rather, it wasn't easy by any means, but it wasn't an arduous process. Now when a, a person wants to get a CDL license, there's a lot of government stipulations and regulations, and there's a lot of uh, regulations that actually regulate the carrier as we train the person. So it's just not something they can make the decision on a Tuesday and go out and do on a Wednesday. It's a longer-term decision. If they make the decision to go to a driver training school that's outside of a company, it could be very expensive. It's thousands of dollars. So a lot of people uh, don't have the money to do that, or they don't want to go in debt to get that kind of training, and they need to be earning a living. Um, They can't afford to be going to school. So it it just precludes a group, not because of a, a generational thing or any anything else. It just precludes a group of what I'd call blue-collar um, type employees that just can't get into it. Whereas they could go into construction, they can show up on a job, and somebody there will teach them the construction job. They won't know everything the first day, but at least they can start the first day in that in that industry, and somebody is mentoring them while they're making their living. Right. And you touched on regulations. How do current regulations impact uh, the industry, positively or negatively? And how do you foresee future regulations impacting the industry? All regulations are there for a reason, Um, so I I would hate to portray them as negatively impacting it. They negatively impact us in in, uh, being able to hire quickly. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, If the the background checks to get employees uh, are regulated, how you do that, and the time that it takes to get the the approval from past uh, employers and things like that. The uh, ability to when go to get a, a license to be able to um, get a TSA um, so that they're certified to handle hazardous materials and things like that. Uh, that's very time consuming. It takes quite a while. So it again, it's one of those things that just delays somebody from being able to go out and get into a, a truck and drive. And if that's what they want to do, then all these, these little barriers along the way are uh, difficult for them. The regulations of hours of service, it's a very positive safety item for the public and the employees in general, but it also does affect uh, their past ability to earn. So some uh, people that are currently have CDLs and aren't as, as uh, strict in how they measure their hours of service, as the hours of service is done through electronic tracking, you're going to find that some of those people actually get out of the business. Doesn't chase them out; they'll make a conscious decision to leave. But there's there's more regulation for safety and things like that that follow them. CSA points follow an employee. So if a driver has a speeding ticket or has a any type of of infraction, it follows them. So whereas they used to be able to move from employer to employer, and there was as long as they had their license, they were employable. Now their CSA points follow them and employers are are very aware that 
a uh, poor CSA score can affect their insurance rating, and it can affect uh, the customers that do business with the with the carrier. Our president-elect Donald Trump said that one of the goals was to encourage job opportunities for folks living in the inner cities where unemployment may be higher. Is there an opportunity to grow the trucking market there with new drivers? Um, I think the trucking market is a reflection of the economy. So is there the opportunity to grow the economy? Um, I believe there is, definitely. Um, as far as specifically is trucking going to grow the economy, it, it doesn't. It really reflects the growth of the economy. Um, there are a lot of uh opportunities in trucking. I think there will become more opportunities uh, just because the average age is in the 50s. And the, that just tells you as those, as those baby boomers go to retire, um, there's going to be a lot of room for millennials and Generation Z to, um, to come in and the opportunities to be professional truck driving is, is uh, it should be lucrative. It's a good paying job overall. Um, for the people who, who like to be a professional driver. So how does one company differentiate itself to attract and retain quality drivers? What is it about one company over another that makes it more attractive for drivers to to join up and then stay with that company? Well, I, I believe there's a, a few things. There's a lot of different types of driving job, professional driving jobs, whether they're driving dump trucks or whether they're driving over the road, um, from coast to coast, or whether they're driving locally or driving for a public fleet, finding a job that is that fits what the employee wants and fits their work, their their life is probably the number one thing that keeps them employed. We really stress our company culture. We stress the financial um, balance of the organization so that they know they you know, we won't we don't won't be closing our doors uh, we're very financially stable so the job security is, is there um, modern equipment I believe is very important modern safe equipment that isn't going to break down um, and it's going to be safe for the driver to drive uh, work-life balances is becoming more and more we hear about that with our with our younger employees that they don't want to work 12 and 13 and 14 hours a day and six days a week. They want a, a life outside of work. So being able to put together time schedules and work schedules in such a way that they can balance their off-duty time and their on-duty time with their shifts is very important. And lastly, competitive compensation. Being able to offer a good wage for the employee, being able, able to offer benefits um, from health benefits to uh, 401k and retirement benefits to paid time off and things like that. They're all very important, and those are the, the differentiators, the carriers that offer them and, and make it available for to both attract the employees and keep the employees uh, in the long run will have the, the best workforce and the strongest workforce. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash getil. That's bit.ly slash get underscore il and stay ahead of the 3PL game. Speaking of new technology, I know there's a new technology out there that's causing a little bit of concern for the industry in general, autonomous trucks. What do you think of these driverless trucks that 
may or may not be in the very near future? Well, um, I, I, I personally just have a hard time imagining it, and obviously I'm a baby <laughs> boomer under that. Under that. Um, I, uh, I think if, uh, if, we, if it's something that can be done safely, it would be a, a real benefit um, and have some real advantages. Uh, in LTL, like, like we're involved in, where it's very short distances between customers and facilities, I don't think self-driving trucks are a, a real solution for us, but cross-country and, and long lanes and things like that where driver fatigue are, are, are an issue for safety, then there's probably an opportunity for them. I'm not sure I want to be in a car driving next to them right away <laughs> until, they, until they're, they're proven, but I hope they work and I hope they're safe, but I don't know enough about them to, uh, to have any other opinion than that. Right. And you, you mentioned safety. Is In your training program, is safety a high priority? Do you focus on that? Safety is the number one thing that we, we uh, train. Um, we invest in, in safety uh, technology in the trucks, such as uh, forward-facing uh, collision avoidance, so that if a car is slowing down or a truck is slowing down or a vehicle, anything is slowing down, even a fixed object, is ahead of them, that the truck will automatically start slowing down and brake itself if the driver doesn't. Um, we have um, onboard computers on all the trucks to ensure that our drivers comply with all the electronic log and DOT regulations to ensure that driver fatigue is not an issue of any kind. Um, the When we're training our new drivers coming on board, uh, the first two weeks there is no driving for them. It's all about teaching them safe following processes, uh, how to inspect their vehicles from their trucks and their trailers, what a good safety uh, inspection look like. We also actually do show them what, what poor safety items, what worn out brakes look like, what worn out tires look like, so that they, they're not seeing everything brand new. They have to have the contrast between them. But safety is the number one thing we, we do. If we don't send the employee home in the same shape that they arrived to work in, then we failed. It doesn't matter what else went on in the business, we failed. Very admirable. Technology, regulations, all that stuff. What do you think would be the biggest disruptor for the industry going forward? The disruptor, probably, I'm going to go back to, to uh, staffing. The carrier with the driver, in my opinion, wins um, at mm -hmm. the end of the day. And right now, the economy's not real hot. Um, the oil markets and, and oil drilling is not real robust. Uh, but there's a lot of venues for, for drivers. And uh, it's not just the trucking companies, the four hire trucking companies that we see and recognize every day. There's huge private fleets out there that their core competency isn't truck driving. It's something else. Uh, they're in the food business. They're in the soft drink business. They're in the, the diaper business, whatever. But their core competency isn't trucking, yet they take a lot of uh, uh, truck drivers. If the oil economy uh, should all of a sudden really start booming and that takes CDL drivers out of the four higher ranks and the economy at that point starts to heat up, there's really not that many. An overcapacity of one or two or three percent, which makes it seem like a ready capacity, can dry up in a, in a blink of an eye. And or there aren't just a whole lot of drivers out there that you can just turn a spigot on. So it could be very disruptive and really 
um, slow down uh, both the economy and, and commerce in general if there are not enough trucks to be moving the freight. Even if you're successful moving it intermodal on, a, on the railroad, somebody still has to take that trailer to the railroad and somebody still has to pick it up and deliver it to the, the, the final destination. Yeah, we, we still definitely still need that human element. Yeah, that's correct here. I, you know, drivers are, even with auto driving trucks, somebody has to be out there driving and somebody actually has to deliver the freight to the, to the final user. So um, while drivers might not have the, the same role in, in 20 years, there will still be drivers. Oh, excellent. Lead into the next question. So let's uh, break out the crystal ball and let's look forward to 2037. Where do you see trucking then? Um, well, um, if we spend the money on the infrastructure that I hear we're going to be spending and we're able to put some things in place that allow um, either lane direct for trucking and heavy-duty equipment only away from passenger vehicles, and if the, the self-driving vehicles go, go forward, I think you'll see a transportation network that will probably have more longer vehicle combinations, whether they're longer vehicles because they're tied uh, together uh, units or they're longer vehicles because they're, they're land trains that have five or six trailers behind them um, and are, are not dangerous to the general motoring public, I think that will become more economical in how we move freight across the country, whether it's uh, improving how the road structure is or improving how the, the, uh, the trains operate in improving the railroads so that we have a, a more robust railroad system that can move large commodities, not necessarily LTL, but commodity freight across much quicker than it currently does. The role of women as drivers in the industry, what is that like? How is it shaping up? Do you see more women joining the, the staffing side of things, or is it, is it going to remain primarily a male-dominated driver world? Well, we've, uh, we've really tried to promote um, different driving positions with women, and we've been, we've been a little successful, not nearly as successful as we wanted to. Um, our smaller truck for entry into the, into the driving market um, for non-current uh, professional CDL drivers, we've, we've recruited several women into those positions, and we're hoping that they promote on through into uh, CDL positions uh, going forward. The introductions of more uh, trucks with automatic transmissions and seats that are, are more adjustable um, so that they're at the safer and more comfortable ride have been introduced into the cab to promote it. So while we, uh, we haven't been as, as successful as we would like to be, uh, women are 50 or more percent of the population. Um, the women drivers that we do have are just excellent drivers. Um, they're very good with our customers. They're very good with our other employees and the, the motoring public in general. So um, I would hope that we can find a way to recruit more in. It's just not a, a uh, an easy job in some in some fashions, and uh, it just doesn't draw women uh, to it as much as I wish it would. Okay, and speaking of hopes, what is your hope for the industry in the very short term? Uh, compliance and, and um, you know, I, I, I don't ever want trucking to be a disruptor. Um, you asked that question earlier. Um, I think trucking is one of those things that needs to be in the background. And 
if we have a good infrastructure and our drivers can get across the country well or across the states well, if the port system is improved so the trucks can get in and out of the ports um, for imports and exports and get the, the goods uh, to market, um, transportation should be the thing that's kind of behind the behind the scenes. It's like at, at Disney. You don't want to know how Disney works. You just want to enjoy it. And that's really how transportation should work. You should be able to, to call and have your product move relatively easier at a, a fast, a face, efficient, and safe. And that's what, what we want to see occur. Uh, velocity, the, the time, uh, how, how quickly freight moves through the system um, is a benefit to everybody. We see our customers asking for faster and faster service. Um, we have people now requiring not just a package that weighs five pounds, you know, how quickly can you get it here, can you get it here same day, but asking can we pick up a, a refrigerator, a washing machine, a pallet of, of water and pick it up and deliver it same day within, within a radius. So this is larger and larger freight that starts moving at the cycle that the Amazons and the Ubers have made the industry come to expect. I order it, I want it, um, and waiting is is uh, passe. So having transportation companies mold to where the future is going uh, with the consumer and the business needs will be very important. And one final question. I'm going to ask you to finish this sentence. The trucking industry today is? Is growing and a, a, a good place, a good profession. Um, I enjoy it. I, I, I enjoy the job. I think the people that I work with um, enjoy their jobs. It's not always easy but it's a really good profession, um, and I think the trucking industry is proud of what they do and is uh, uh, part of the economy and uh, part of the, the brand America. Trucking will always be part of America. Awesome. Randy Swart, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Okay. Thank you very much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure speaking with you also. The Inbound Logistics Podcast is a production of Inbound Logistics Magazine. For the most in-depth information around logistics, transportation, and supply chain practices, get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogistics.com slash subscribe. Connect with us via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for the most current developments in the industry. All of these links will be available in the show notes. If you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode, leave us an email at podcast at inboundlogistics.com. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time here on the Inbound Logistics Podcast.